That's right. Is there when it happened? So I guess I ought to know. Take your Bibles, turn over to Romans. Romans chapter 16. Good job, young people, on that song. Pretty good. Pretty good. Trenton, where are you at? I didn't know you could sing. You'd never know, looking at you, that you could do that. Something like that. That was... <laughs> sounded good. That youth choir last night was on fire. <clears throat> Romans 16, when you find your place, stand with me, please. It's not going to be a long message. We got steward of the month. We got a funeral right after the chapel service. We got to get ready for so a lot going on this morning. But we got a thought out of Romans 16. This is a, a verse that I have heard referenced. I've probably referenced it myself a time or two, but I don't believe I've ever preached out of this verse. I'm still hearing pages turning. So either you don't know where Romans is, or you're fanning yourself, one or the other. Romans 16, verse 19, for your obedience has come abroad unto all men. I'm glad, therefore, on your behalf, but yet I would have you wise unto that which is good and simple concerning evil. I'm going to focus on that statement right there this morning. Simple concerning evil. Lord, I pray that you would help us this morning as we look into the scriptures, open these verses up to us, Father, and may this message find a lodging place in our hearts. Do what only you can do through the preaching of your word. Give us power, liberty, Lord, unction this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much for standing. You can be seated. It's amazing how many great statements and phrases are in your Bible. And if you read your Bible fast, you can just blow right through some really great truths. Last night we preached on just a little statement, just one little phrase. And man, it got good last night. One little statement. And this, this statement right here in Romans 16, 19 is a very powerful statement. And I'm going to show you why. The Apostle Paul said in verse number 19, I would have you wise unto that which is good. But then he flipped it around and gave us the contrast. And he said, I would have you to be simple concerning evil. That's the thought this morning that's been on my heart. The Bible is crystal clear. Listen to me. There are some things God never wanted you to know about. There are some things that God wants you and I to be ignorant of. There are some things that God never wanted us to have to deal with, never have to experience, never even have to think about. Now in this text, the word simple means unmixed. It means pure, as in not a mixture of other things. It goes on, if you look up the word simple, it simply means to be unmixed in your mind without a mixture of evil, to be free from guile, to be innocent, to be innocent. The word evil in this verse simply means anything of a bad nature. It means anything that is not as it ought to be. 
It means a, a way of thinking or feeling or acting that is not right. The word literally means in its, in its simplest form, anything that is wrong or wicked or troublesome or pernicious or destructive. So if you read this phrase and you look up the word simple and you look up the word evil, you understand that God said, I want your mind, I want your thinking, I want your feelings, and I want your acting to be completely pure and unmixed from anything that is wrong or bad or wicked. I have here this morning a glass of clean, pure water, delicious water. Well, it was when I put it up here, Brother Caleb led the singing over the top of this. That's yeah, good. It's okay. Pretty much untouched, untainted from the spittle of the song leader and the quartet. Right. I don't see any traces of Trenton in this cup. That's a blessing. Pure, clean water. Now, in the hallway behind the choir here, we have a, a, a hallway that's got a lot of tools, and we've got drop claws and, and, and lights and extension cords and ladders and light bulbs and air filters, and we've got sandpaper and screws and nuts and bolts and all kinds of paint and stain. We've been buying a lot of paint for this walls. Now I have this beautiful glass of water, which is a type and a picture of a clean, pure Christian whose life has been the result of God working and cleaning and purifying their life. But if we look at the statement simple, concerning evil, we understand that the Bible says for us to have a life that is unmixed without a mixture of evil, free from guile and innocent. Back behind me in that hallway, we've got some paint back there. How many of you have ever drunk any paint, tasted paint? Let's just see what happens if we add a little bit of, oh boy, that got interesting. Can we say that this, this water is simple concerning evil now? That's just a little bit. That's just a little bit. That's just a, that's just a little bit of evil introduced into the pure. Is it pure anymore? Is it, is it clean anymore? Is there anybody up here that wants to try this? I just drank out of it. It tasted good. Let's, let's, just, let's just dabble a little bit more with some evil and see what happens. Oh, boy. It's getting real up in here now. I wonder how many young people's walking around looking like this right here. I wonder how many adults in here walking around this morning looking like this right here. 
You got the evil, the wicked, the pernicious, the ungodly, anything that's wrong, and you introduce it into the vessel that is clean and that is pure. Look at that. Now you tell me how just a little bit of evil can completely take over this whole big old glass of pure water. Huh? So here's, here's what I'm saying. What I'm saying this morning is God's plan and God's will is don't mix. Don't mix the evil with the pure. When Paul said, I would have you wise unto that which is evil, and he went on and said, and simple concerning, I mean, he said, wise unto that which is good and simple concerning evil. What he's saying is, I want you to be completely ignorant, untouched, unmixed by anything that is wrong in your life. We got a lot of church members walking around like that right there. And they think that they're pure. We've got young people in our churches, sitting in our youth groups, going to our Christian schools that think that they're pure, but it looks more like that right there. We got people walking around acting like they're right with God, acting like they are chaste, clean, pure Christians, but all week long they have been experimenting with evil and this is what it looks like inside their life. Paul said, I want you to be simple concerning evil. I want there to be things out there in that world that you know nothing about. In the Garden of Eden, that was a time of innocence. In fact, it's called the age of innocence when you look at the dispensations. There was no sin whatsoever in this world. The world was completely perfect. Everything was perfect. Then Satan lured Eve into sin by promising her that her eyes would be opened. In Genesis chapter number three, in verse number four, the serpent said unto the woman, it is thou shalt not surely die. For God doth know in the day that ye eat thereof, then your eyes shall be opened and ye shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. Well, the problem with that is God wants us to know what's good. In fact, the Bible said he wants us to be wise unto that which is good. He wants us to abound in those things that are good. He wants us to pursue those things that are good. He wants us to develop in our life any attribute of goodness that we possibly can. But at the same time, he wants us to be ignorant and simple concerning things that are evil. But Satan lured Eve into sin by promising her that her eyes would be open. And guess what? It was. Her eyes were open to many things that God never intended for her eyes to be open to. And over and over again in the scriptures, in the word of God, God strongly addresses this matter of staying ignorant of sin, simple concerning evil. I'm 51 years old. I have absolutely no idea what beer tastes like. I have no idea what liquor tastes like. I have no idea what a wine cooler tastes like. 
have no idea what smoking a cigarette feels like. No idea. I've never seen drugs, stay with me, in any way, shape, or form. I don't believe I have ever seen it with my eyes. And I've been with police on midnight raids, seen a lot of things, but I don't believe I've ever seen drugs. Never experimented with drugs. That's the word they use, experiment. That's exactly what we're preaching about this morning. Simple, concerning evil. Unmixed, unmixed, untainted. I have never in my life been to a party where there was loud music, loud rock and roll music, rap music, worldly music, and drinking the drugs. I've never been to a party like that in my life. I have zero desire. I would just as soon crawl up on top of this building and jump off on my head in the parking lot as to go to a party with drinking and loud music. I have no desire whatsoever just to see what it looks like. To see what it feels like. There are many things I can sit up here this morning and say that I have no idea about it because I simply don't want to know. I don't want to know. I am willingly and deliberately simple concerning some evil. And you should as well. This mentality of I just want to see what it's like has destroyed many, many, many lives. Listen to me very carefully. Every drunkard, every drunkard, every alcoholic that is checked in up yonder at the Baltimore Rescue Mission this morning at some time in their life tasted beer for the first time. And not a single one of them, I'm confident, Brother Gene, I'm confident that not a single one of them went from a state of complete abstinence and purity to saying, I want to get stone cold drunk today. No, they just tasted of it. Probably because they had people around them, friends around them, trying to talk them into it. Just try it. Just taste it. Just taste it. Just try it. Here, I'll pay for it. They're probably at a friend's house, probably at a party, probably at a get-together, and the booze is flowing, and they've never had tasted it before, but everybody else is drinking it, and so they decide, well, I'm just going to taste it, never dreaming that that one taste would land them in a rescue mission without a job, without a family, with a criminal record. We have elementary children in this school that know things that I didn't know when I got married. We've got junior high and high school kids in this school that talk about things amongst themselves that would absolutely shock you if you could hear them talking about it. Thanks to cell phones and social media, children today are losing their innocence at younger and younger ages. They're exposed to language and lewdness and lasciviousness unlike any other generation in history. History. There are 70-year-old bootleggers in the mountains of West Virginia making moonshine in their backyard that hadn't seen and heard some of the things that some of you kids have seen and heard on your phones. Constantly being bombarded with images and conversations about sexuality and sensuality 
and immorality to the point to where it's funny and you joke about it and you laugh about it and it not at all grieves your spirit or your soul. Can I tell you what happens? We'll tell you what's happening. Every time. That's what you're doing. I'm going to give you four points this morning about how you can be simple concerning evil. And I want you to write these down. I want you to write these down, young people. Number one, you can be simple concerning evil by being concerned about all the temptations that are in your path. Now, I know I preach about this from time to time. I preached a series back in last year on the rules of engagement. But I want you to understand something, young people. You are constantly under attack. Constantly under attack. And I said this last week, Brother Payne and I were talking about it later. The devil just does not want, listen to me, young people. The devil just does not want to give you a bad day. He doesn't just want you to mess up. The devil doesn't just want you to have an oops moment. The devil wants to destroy you. He wants to completely destroy your life. Even if you were in a ditch rolling around in your own vomit with needles sticking out of your arms, he would not be satisfied because you'd still be breathing. He wants you dead. The thief cometh not but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. And that stealing, here's what he will steal. He will steal your innocence. He will rob you of that pure mind. He will rob you of the ability to live your life each and every day without all these fiery darts sticking out of your head. He's coming after you. He's coming after you with everything he's got. You cannot forget the fact that the devil has temptations in your path all day, every day. And if you forget it, you're going to be in trouble. You cannot forget the fact that you are under attack. You cannot. I, I, I driving down uh, German Hill, uh, night before last, and there was a guy crossing the street on his phone. He was walking so slow, it was almost like he stole a pair of shoes from Kmart. Some of y'all don't know what that means. The shoes were tied together. He's, got, he's crossing the street on his phone. People's blowing the horn. People's dodging him. It's a miracle he didn't get killed. Oblivious to the dangers around him. In the military and in the police and in the security guard world, they call it situational awareness. Situational awareness, knowing what's going on around you. A lot of people get mugged at night walking down the street because they don't pay attention and see somebody following them for three blocks. They don't see the, the, the dark alleys where somebody can come out and they find themselves in, in, in trouble because they're not aware of their surroundings. Many Christians become casualties because they forget that there are many, many temptations in their path. Constantly be looking. Constantly be aware. Ephesians 6, 13 says, take on you the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. We're talking about the evil. It's all around us. There are going to be days when the devil just pours evil into your path. And if you're not careful, you're going to get stuck up to your neck in it. 
Verse 16, Ephesians 6 says, Take in the shield of faith, wherewith you may be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. He don't just throw one and forget about you. He unleashes everything he's got. Constantly under a satanic attack. And if you forget that, you're going to find yourself being overwhelmed with temptations and sinful desires. Learn to recognize a fiery dart for what it is. When the devil's throwing fiery darts at you, don't pick them up and play with them. I think we got a lot of young people today when the devil throws a fiery dart at them, they hold it up and take a selfie with it and act like it's a teddy bear or act like it's a little kitty cat. That thing will kill you. Playing around, flirting around with sin. Recognize fiery darts for what they are. Learn to use the shield of faith. Don't leave yourself open to temptations. Don't put yourselves in places and situations that will create perfect opportunities for the devil to entice you. Be constantly concerned about the temptations that are around you. But secondly, you can be simple concerning evil by being careful about who you turn to among your peers. So many, so many young people have found themselves in a whole lot of trouble simply because they had the wrong friends. They turned to the wrong people for comfort and for company and for conversation and for, and for entertainment and relaxation. They hung around the wrong people. Proverbs chapter number four, verse 14 and 15 says, enter not into the path of the wicked and go not in the way of evil men. We're talking about being simple concerning evil. How do you be simple concerning evil? Don't go in the way of evil men. You got evil setting up here? Go around it. Don't go toward it. Don't go with it. Don't hang out with it. Stay away from it. Avoid it, verse 15 says of Proverbs 4. Avoid it. Pass not by it. Turn from it and pass away. How do you stay simple concerning evil? Be careful about her, who you turn to among your peers and anybody that is involved in evil activity, leave them alone. How many times have I heard it? But Pastor Shift, they're my friend. That's a problem. You got the wrong friends. You got the wrong friends. Let me tell you something. If you go down to if you go down to CarMax and you buy a car, let's just say you don't have a lot of money, so you buy the cheapest one they've got. Let's say they got an old piece of junk down there for five hundred dollars. I doubt it, but let's just say that. They got an old car down there. It's got $500. It's primer gray. Not because that's the color it was painted, but that's the color of the primer that's all over the paint where it got bondoed. It's a bondo buggy. It's a bondo buggy, primer gray. All the hubcaps are missing. Tires are bald. Tires are bald. Smoke pours out the back when you crank it up. You're going down the road and you break down. Pull over on the side of the road, you call a wrecker. It's in the shop for three or four weeks. They give you a bill, it costs more than the car. You get the car back home, I got my car. You get in it to go to work, it's 20 degrees outside, you're about halfway up I-95, you break down, pull over on the side of the road, it won't start. Let me ask you a question. How many times do you reckon you do that before you got you another car? I'm just asking. How many times do you reckon you'd do that? How long do you reckon you'd put up with that 
before you got you another car. You know how dumb it'd be to just keep doing that day after day, week after week for 10 years and go, but that's my car. Get another car. It's not the only car in the world. There's other cars. Preacher, what are you talking about? That's my friend. Yeah, but every time you hang around him, you get in trouble. So get you another friend. That's not the only friend in the world. That's not the only person in the world that you can talk to. Chunk them and get a new friend. That's deep, ain't it? That's just complicated. Well, that's my friend. How many more times are you going to get in trouble? How many more times are you going to find yourself in the ditch? How many more times are you going to find yourself in over your head because you're hanging around the wrong people and you got this, but that's my friend. Get you another one. That's just not real. I don't have a Bible verse for that, but that's pretty good preaching right there. Imagine keeping that old junky car for 10 years. That's my car. Get another one. There's more cars out there. That's my friend. We've known each other for years. Yeah, but they're getting you in trouble. Can't be simple concerning evil, hanging around evil people. Can I get a witness? Watch who you hang around. There's no way in the world I'm going to hang around people that's getting me in trouble. I'm not even going to hang around people that's getting in trouble. Come on now. You say, preacher, really? I'm not going to hang around people, not only that get me in trouble, I ain't going to hang around people that are always getting in trouble. You lay with the dogs, you're going to get fleas. You hang around evil people, you're going to be in, in evil. You're going to be in trouble. You're going to learn things you wish to God you never learned. You're going to experience things you wished you'd never experienced. Number three, I'm hurrying. You can be e a simple concerning evil by being clean in what you talk about in private. It's amazing how many people's lives have been destroyed with a conversation that got dirty. The conversation went completely off track. The conversation was wholesome. The conversation was innocent. The conversation was fine. And then it took a turn. And instead of the person that's supposed to be clean and pure and right with God, walking away, throwing a flag, saying, whoa, time out, we're not doing this. The conversation just kept going further and further and further. And the next thing you know, they're up to their neck in sin. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter number five, Verse 11 and 12, and have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them, for it is a shame even to speak of those things which are done to them in secret. It is a shame even to sit around and talk about things that people do in their sinful life, in their private life. The Bible says it's wrong to even talk about it. We're past what they're doing being wrong. It's wrong to even talk about what they're doing. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 29 says, Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearer. Colossians 3 8 says, But now ye also put off all these anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy. Filthy communication out of your mouth. Listen to me. Listen to me, young people. I want everybody to look at me. It is not cool to cuss. It's not cool to cuss. It doesn't make you look big. 
It doesn't make you, it doesn't make you awesome. It makes you filthy. Every time, every time you say a dirty word. Every time the people you're hanging around says a dirty word. You know, you can, you can, you can stay clean. Some of y'all ain't gonna believe what I'm fixing to tell you. My wife's sitting right over here. She'll verify what I'm fixing to say. When we moved up here in 2014, Marissa had just finished 11th grade, was going into 12th grade. She learned more cuss words the first six months we were up here than she had learned in her entire life. 11th grade. You know who she learned them from? Kids in the school. This school. Now it's a lot better than it was. When I got here in 2014, the girls in the youth group blocked me on all their social media because of all the cussing and the profanity that was on their social media, on their Instagram and on their Facebook and on their Twitter. They didn't want Pastor Shifford to see it. They blocked me. It was the most vile, corrupt. I have known sailors that didn't talk the way those teenage girls in the Christian school was talking on their social media. It was absolutely beyond comprehension. Simple. Got quiet, didn't it? Got quiet. How would you like for us to take your cell phone and throw your text messages up on the screen and let's all look at what you've been texting at night after your parents go to bed on your phone? Every text message you send, every text message you get, that's what's happening. That's what's happening. My wife sent me a link this morning of a, of a youth pastor, a youth leader, who's going to jail, doing some stuff that's wrong with some teenage girls, Okay? I'm going to go ahead and say this. He's a dirtbag. All right? He's a vile, corrupt, filthy human being. He had to register as a pedophile, and he ought to. But when I read that article, you know what I found? He was pretending to be another girl in the school and was acting like he needed help with homework. And in just a few messages, was able to get that girl to take bad pictures of herself and send it to him. And then he turned around and was using those pictures to blackmail her and said, I'm going to put it out on the internet and let everybody know, your parents and everybody know that this is what you sent me. Now listen to me. Stay with me. Listen to me very carefully. He is a vile, filthy, corrupt, perverted man. But you want to know how he got that girl? You want to know what he used against her? The stuff she sent him. Huh? I'm not defending him. He needs to go to jail. In fact, he needs to have a millstone tied around his neck and throw it off in the deepest lake. That's what he deserves. But that girl, that little teenage girl was taking bad pictures of herself and texting it to somebody she didn't even know. 
It was private, see? It was private until it wasn't. Now I'm reading about it on the internet. Now it's in the newspapers. Are y'all still with me? Simple concerning evil means you be clean and what you're talking about in private, that includes text messages, social media, when nobody's around, keeping your conversation clean, keeping it pure, and keeping it Christ-honoring. That's how you stay simple concerning evil. Don't hang around people that talk dirty. Tell dirty jokes, off-color jokes, with vulgar and profane punchlines and subjects. Don't do it. Keep yourselves unclean and pure. 1 Peter 1.15 says, But as he which hath called you is holy, so be ye holy in all manner of conversation. Clean, pure, above board. Jesus is listening. The Holy Spirit of God hears everything you say. I said the Holy Spirit of God hears it all, sees it all. And number four, you can stay simple concerning evil by being cautious about what you touch in your moments of passion. Listen to me very carefully. I was thinking about this this morning as I was studying, as I was preparing for this message. Touch is a powerful, powerful sense. Touch. It is so powerful that they're letting dogs into the hospitals now just for the people in the hospital to pet dogs. We went up to see Sister Joanne Holt the other day. My wife and I were sitting there waiting for them to her finish her therapy. And this woman got off the elevator and she had this beautiful dog on a leash. And we said, hey, what's going on? She said, this is our, this is our therapy dog. I said, what is, how does that work? She said, we go in the rooms and we visit the people and let them pet the dog. And tests have been done. Studies have been conducted that people get better. It changes their whole frame of mind. It changes their whole attitude. And they heal quicker. And they, they, they get out of the hospital just by being able to interact and pet this pretty little dog. I thought, that's amazing. The power of touch. Touch is a very powerful tool that the devil will use to destroy you. There are verses in the Bible that deal with this very subject. You moms and daddies ought to be saying amen. These young people need this message this morning. Eve stood in that garden and stood there under that forbidden tree. God said, out of all the trees of the garden, thou mayest freely eat. Freely eat. But this tree right here, thou shalt not eat of it. For the day that you eat thereof, thou shalt surely die. Where does the serpent find Eve? Standing underneath that tree. Now what is she doing under that tree? Why is she even there? And as I got to read my Bible again this morning, I concluded that the longer she looked at it, the better it looked. The Bible says that she saw the tree, she saw the fruit. In Genesis 3, verse number 6, and when the woman saw that the tree was good for food. What was she doing looking at it? Why was she standing there staring at this forbidden fruit? But 
The Bible says when the woman saw the tree was good for food and that it was pleasant to the eyes and a tree to be desired to make one wires, she took of the fruit. You look at it long enough, come on now, you look at it long enough, you want to touch it. And after you touch it, the next thing you do is taste it. And then it's over. Then it's over. That's why the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 6, 17, come out from among them and be you separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing. Touch not the unclean thing. Some of y'all this morning looking at me like you think I'm being crazy. Let me tell you a couple little stories right here about how crazy I am. When I was about eight or nine, I'm not exactly sure the age, eight or nine, somewhere in there, went down to South Georgia to visit my mama's mom and daddy. That was my pawpaw. He was my pawpaw. He was a farmer. He had fields and he had tractors and he had barns and he had combines and silos full of corn. He had hogs, had a hog pen full of hogs. I loved going down there, seeing my pawpaw, pretending I was a farmer for a while, slopping the hogs, crawling around in the barn, climbing up on the silo. And one day, pawpaw said to me, he said, I'm going to work tomorrow, plow the field. You want to drive the tractor? How many of you young boys like to drive a tractor all day in the field? That's what I'm talking about. If you didn't raise your hand, you're a weirdo. If you didn't raise your hand, you are a freak of nature if you don't want to drive a tractor. Half of them didn't raise their hand. I don't know. I need to go to the hospital. Something's wrong with y'all. I'd drive a tractor right now, right down Main Street. I'd drop a plow. I'd drop a hair and tear the asphalt up right now. Meeting and everything. He said, you want to drive the tractor? I said, man, yeah. Man, I got so excited, I couldn't hardly wait. All day, all afternoon, all evening. I'm thinking about tomorrow. I'm going to get up early and go ride the tractor, drive the tractor, Papa. Right as I got ready to go to bed, my mom walked in there. She said, do you know what Papa's planting tomorrow? I said, what? She said, he's planting tobacco. I said, well, there goes that. I'm only eight or nine, ten maybe. And I walked in there and found Papa. I said, what are we planting tomorrow? Because he had soybeans, he had cotton. He had peanuts. He had corn. He said, we're going to plow that tobacco field. I said, I ain't. You're going to do it by yourself. He said, you don't want to drive a tractor? I said, I want to drive that tractor more than anything. I said, I love to drive that tractor. He said, you, well, why don't you? I said, I'm not plowing up a field for you to plant tobacco in. He said, well, I got to plow it. I got to plant it. I said, you're going to do it by yourself. I'll stay here and play. And Papa went and plowed that field by himself. I had such strong conviction about tobacco, I wouldn't even drive a tractor in a field where tobacco wasn't even at yet. A couple years later, my other granddaddy, my daddy's daddy, his granddaddy, he filled, he filled up vending machines. Vending machines. There was about three or four big old factories down there in Tifton. And Papa drove, granddaddy drove a big old, one of those big old cube trucks full of boxes of snacks and food and drinks and stuff for the vending machines. And he'd go in there, we'd go in there in the morning 
and, and refill all the vending machines from the third shift that had emptied all the vending machines. They'd go in there in the lunchroom and they'd eat their sandwiches. It was sandwiches in there and, and snacks and Cokes and drinks and stuff. And all the vending machines would be just about empty. And we'd get boxes out of the truck. He had a key. He turned the key. You got to turn it like 5,000 times to open it. My, my granddaddy's finger was just about that crooked right there. He had a big old huge knot right there on the side from turning those keys for 20-something years. His finger was crooked. He turned those keys, opened it up, and we pulled those racks out, and we was putting sandwiches in there and chips and apples and jello and all kinds of stuff. There was, there was drinks and Cokes and all kinds of stuff, cartons of milk and chocolate milk. And there was another one over there that had cigarettes in it. Now, this was back when they used to sell cigarettes in the vending machine. Some, how many of y'all remember that? They don't do it no more. Praise the Lord, but they used to. And my papa, he kicked, the bo- he kicked the box of cigarettes over to me. He said, go ahead and start filling that machine right there. I said, I ain't doing it. I ain't doing it. He said, I need you to fill up that machine. I said, I'll fill up any machine in here. I ain't filling those cigarette machines up. I ain't touching it. I'm not even touching the box that the cartons are in. And Papa, my granddad said, well, I ain't asking you to smoke it. I said, I know you ain't asking me to smoke it. You're asking me to make it possible for everybody else to smoke them. And I ain't touching them. And I didn't. 10, 11 years old, working with my granddaddy at the factory. Simple concerning evil. Is everybody okay? See, here's the problem we got. We got young people today and we got a lot of adults today that want to see how close they can get to sin without getting it on them. I want to tell you how not to get it on you. Get as far away from it as you possibly can. Be careful what you touch. Proverbs chapter 6 and verse 29 says, So he that goeth in to his neighbor's wife, whosoever toucheth her shall not be innocent. Touching her. Touching her. Don't even touch your neighbor's wife. Don't even look at her. You say, what do you mean I can't look at her? Here's what Job 31, here's what Job said in Job 31.1. Brother Leader, God showed me this this morning. Job said, I made a covenant with mine eyes. Watch this. I made a covenant with my eyes. Why then should I think upon a maid? You know what Job said? You're going to think about what you're looking at. Job said, I made my mind up that if I don't want to think about a woman in a way that's inappropriate, I'm not even going to look at her to start with. Preacher, what's that got to do? It's got everything to do with my message being simple concerning evil. Don't look at it. Don't talk to it. Don't hang around it. Don't touch it. Leave it alone. That's how you stay simple concerning evil. 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse number 1. I'm going to give you this verse and we're going to wrap it up. Listen to me. Now concerning the things which he wrote unto me, Paul said, it is good for a man not to touch a woman. It's good for a man not to touch a woman. And that's talking about in an inappropriate, that's talking about in some kind of a sexual and romantic way, somebody that's not your wife. Why? Because the power of touch. Solomon said this to his son. 
Can a man take fire into his bosom and not get burned? Well, the answer is no. You don't touch it. Every time you touch it, every time you look at those websites, every time you do those texting, every time you go on those social media websites, you know what you're doing? You're mixing evil. You're mixing evil with the pure work that God's trying to do in your life. Now, I'm going to ask y'all a question. I want you to be honest with me. Is that water still pure? It's disgusting, isn't it? Anybody want to drink that? Anybody want to drink this? How would you feel if I drunk it right now? What would it do to your stomach? What would it do to your mind if I turn this glass up right now? Some of y'all got your hands over your mouth. I can't believe he did that. No, here's what I can't believe. I can't believe you're on those social media websites after you know how wicked they are. That's what I can't believe. I can't believe he's doing that. That's what God says every time you talk to that wicked person that cusses and talks about things they ain't supposed to talk about. That's what God thinks every time he sees you doing that. I can't believe they're doing that. They know how wrong it is. They know how filthy it is. They know how vile it is. What are they thinking? Exactly. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. The message this morning was very, 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 very sober. I know that. I know. Some of you in here are walking around pretending and acting like you are a chaste, clean, pure Christian. And you're not. Because you have not been simple concerning evil. You've allowed the sin of this world, the vile filth, the repulsive, the forbidden fruit of this world to find its way into your hands, into your heart, into your mouth, into your eyes. The Apostle Paul begged the people of God, be wise concerning that which is good and simple concerning evil.